0: Well, again, good morning. It is good to see you here this morning. I got some boom thing that's going on. I don't know what it is. Um, this morning, we are starting a new series. It's going to take place maybe the next four or five weeks. It is called The Truth Between Us. And this is something that I actually, to give credit where credit is due, heard Erwin McManus talk on this kind of a series about four years ago, and it left a very good impression in my life and a useful way for me to have meaningful conversations with people of different faith. And it came kind of back to surface in my mind. I think Alex asked me, hey, I was asking, what what things can we talk about? And he said, you should talk about other religions. And as he mentioned that, and as I started seeing things show up on the internet, especially on Facebook, where I see people talking about different things, I thought... More than ever, this is an important conversation to have right now. And as we're looking at this, what I want us to understand is that there are always blind spots in our lives. There are things that we know, and there's things that we know we don't know. But the problem are the things that we don't know that we don't know. And what I mean is you may know that you're five foot six and a quarter. Okay, you know that. You may know that you don't know how to fly an airplane. These are obvious things. These are things that are obvious to us. But the things that you don't know that you don't know are the areas that cause problems in our life, are the areas that need to be exposed to us so that we can be aware of them. Prejudice is one of these types of things. Many people are unaware that they're prejudiced until someone shows them the area of the prejudice. You're you're judging someone. No, I'm not. Well, you say these things and look at this example. This person is not like this and this is not the situation. And many times what happens to us is we take religions that are not a part of our own and we make judgments on them that are not based on the people but are based on just things that maybe we've read or seen. Amen, that's what that was. Uh, When I was in Europe a number of years ago, I, I got to speak at a high school. It was a public high school. And because I was, quote, a missionary from America, it was kind of a strange thing. But I went to this high school and I was speaking and there was a lot of Muslims that were there at the school and they were asking me questions about, you know, my faith. And one of the things I shared is my testimony when I became a follower of Jesus. And I told them I became a follower of Jesus in my late teens. And one of the girls was like, what? How is that possible? You mean you weren't born a Christian? And I was like, no, you're not born a Christian. It's a choice you make. It's something that you become. And she just thought, well, I thought everyone who was in the United States was Christian. That was her perception. Now think about what that would look like if you believe that that was the case. If you believed that this was a Christian nation, that means everything that comes out of this nation Is under this umbrella of this type of Christianity. That means, think of all the reality TV shows. The Kardashians. MTV. Well, that's actually reality TV shows now, right? You know? Playboy, pornography. Ku Klux Klan. There are so many things that are a part of our nation that they see and they associate it with Christianity. And so revealing to them that's not what Christianity looks like helps to dissolve the prejudice that is there, those prejudging ideas that they had about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I believe the same thing happens or needs to happen with us in other areas of religion. And so for the next five weeks, what I want to do is look at some of the beliefs and this, the purpose of this isn't to tell everyone what other religions are about. I'm not an expert on all the religions that are in the world. I'm not an expert on what it is to be a Christian. It's something I'm still growing in and learning about. The purpose that, and the intention that I have on these studies is to talk about the things That can bridge conversations so that we can have a meaningful conversation about the truth of who Jesus is with people of different faith. That's my intention. And so much of what we see and so much of what we read today is all about the terrible things that are happening and you can't ignore them. They are happening. I'm not here to say these things aren't a reality. And ever since 9-11, there has been this escalated understanding and focus on Islam. And it might surprise some of us that there are a lot of Muslims who also were horrified by the events of 9-11, and that not all Muslims, just like not all Christians, watch MTV, or reality TV, just Michael Turner. Michael, I just had to acknowledge you. Good to have you here again this morning. And the new baby, welcome. (laughs) That's the way to welcome you, right? Uh, Thanks for welcoming me, buddy. But not all Muslims follow or subscribe to the things of ISIS or Hamas, just like not all Christians are involved with the things of the Ku Klux Klan or other things that take place. And let's face it, if we were to have to deal with all the things, we all got junk. I mean, in Christianity, you have the Inquisition, you have Crusades, you have what's taking place in Belfast between Catholics and Protestants where... They push their political agenda and economic social agendas in the name of religion and kill each other based on those things. There's enough junk to spread around. But instead of trying to focus on all these differences and and expose these differences, what if we were to find the areas where we could actually begin communication? And so the idea of the truth between us is not saying that we are the same, because I don't believe that I have too much respect for the ability to choose to say that everything is the same. I don't believe that all roads lead to the same place, just like I don't believe all colors are blue just because you call it yellow. It's really blue. No, there's such a thing as yellow. And those differences are important, but there are areas where we can actually begin a conversation and begin to bridge the gap. The truth is there are Muslims who hold a lot of things sacred that you could find and agree with. And not all of them are antagonistic and and trying to bring violence. Yeah, we're aware of the dangers, Of those things and one of the things that I was hesitant to begin this conversation about is because I know that people will start to go to that prejudging idea and when I say the truth between us and throw up a word like Islam immediately emotions are raised because of events that happen and things that we know. And I actually presented this series to a friend of mine who was a pastor, and I asked what he thought of it, and he thought, well, it's great, but I think it's dangerous. And I asked him, why do you think it's dangerous? And he says, because you're giving people information about another faith, and what if they choose to follow that other faith? And I started thinking about, wait a second, is that what we're worried about? And so I want to take us on a little journey, and we're going to start here with a passage that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 5, because what we need to do is get away from this tension and help us communicate and help us display what I believe God wants us to display towards everybody who is outside of our faith, and that is love. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we've talked about that idea of being mature. And so here Jesus extends this idea that we are to love not only those who agree with us, but those who would be considered our enemies, those who are outside of our belief system. And we're to pray for those who persecute us, those who would bring harm to us. We are not to want harm to them. And so how do we deal with this? Have you ever had a conversation with someone where you're talking to them maybe at a grocery store and as you're talking to them, you find that, you, man, we've got a lot of common or or they start saying things and you wonder yourself, I wonder if they're a Christian. Maybe they use the word blessed. You know, that's kind of one of those words. Oh, they said blessed and they, they said, oh, I need to, you know... Uh, I have to pray and you, oh, pray, bless. And then you find out more about them and you find out, man, I I had so much in common with them, but then you find out, well, they're Mormon or you find out they're a Buddhist and you're thinking, wow, that's strange. It, it seemed like we had so much in common, but now their faith system or their ideology is so much different than mine. And what I found is that it's a lot easier to connect with people Than it is ideologies. I have a lot more in common with people than just the ideology. The whole purpose of the skit that we did was to show that even though Alex and Kelly do not look alike, and you would not say they're twins, there are still a lot of things that they have in common. And it's easier to find those things with an individual, a person, than it is to immediately start talking about their ideologies. There are a lot of differences. And you could go to websites and find out all about the differences. We can find out more about other faith systems, other religions today than ever before. You just go online. You can click. Click Wikipedia and find out a few things. By the way, they say to get an accurate assessment, you should go to five different sources, just letting you know. So you don't just go to Wikipedia. I know all about it now. You should go to at least five different sources to find out information if you want to have a, a broad perspective. And don't just go to the ones that all say the same thing. And you can find out more about other religions today than you could years ago in just minutes. But I'm not here to talk about all the differences that are there. I want to point out some things that are similar and similarities. And and I want to find a way to connect to people in a way that's going to be helpful. Helpful. If we're really supposed to love them and we're supposed to pray for them, I wonder what happens when I go online and I see different images and I watch these videos and I see the way people who call themselves Christians represent themselves towards those who are of different faiths. One of the pictures that struck me and touched me was actually this one in Egypt where these men who are holding hands are Christians, and what they are doing is they are doing a chain to protect the Muslims who are praying when there was an uprising there in Egypt. And I thought, what a great way to show your care for someone. While the Muslims were praying, the Christians were standing guard so that they would not be threatened with violence. And this is how... Followers of Jesus in Egypt are behaving. And then I saw another picture. It was in the United States. While Muslims were having a celebration at a city, this is what they were doing. They were singing Amazing Grace and they were shouting out that Jesus is alive, Muhammad is dead, and we don't want your ways, go home in, quote, the Christian nation. And these things grieve my heart because I know what's happening, that these people are afraid that they're going to lose their faith to another faith. And something happens when you're afraid. It causes and provokes something in you. And then I saw this photo that really struck me because this also is in Egypt, and here is a chain of Muslim men surrounding a Catholic church so that they would not incur violence by other factions of Muslims. And you see, these first two seemed a lot closer to me than this second group. The Christians who were wanting to care and make sure there's no violence on these Muslims, these Muslims not wanting to make any violence here on these Christians. And I thought, what an interesting similarity. I wonder if we were to start at those areas that were similar and to build from there. And and so some similarities. Muslims have a lot in common with both the Judaism and Christianity. Again, I know there's differences, but they have so much in common that it's almost like they're second cousins or something. Muslims believe in Adam. They believe in Noah. They believe in Moses. They believe that they are descendants of Abraham, but not through Isaac, through Ishmael. And so they have this foundation of belief in common. Muslims believe in a heaven and a hell. There are some Christians who don't believe that. But Muslims do. And so if you're having a discussion with a person who is a devout Muslim, this is something you can use, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, of how to kind of bridge a gap and have a discussion that can be meaningful with them. I think it's interesting that many Muslims hold theological positions that some Christians are supposed to hold, and a lot of Christians don't. Muslims have a very high view of God, Allah. And here's another something to clarify. Maybe you've heard through a video on YouTube somewhere or on Facebook that, you know, well, Allah is a, a different deity and a different God. Well, Allah means the God. And if you were a Christian and you spoke Arabic, that's what you would call God. Just like if you were Spanish, you would say Dios. So if a Christian says Allah, he's not talking about a different God. He's saying God in his language. Okay. And, and, and again, I don't know where you've come from and what you've heard, but people who are giving their life for Jesus, I mean, seriously, giving their lives because they follow Jesus, if that is their native tongue, that is what they say. Because that is their word for God. It's not a different God if you are a follower of the true God. That's just the word that is being used. But Muslims have a very high view of God. And what happens is they see Christians as having a lower view because Christians in their mind are polytheistic. They believe in more than one God. You believe in God the Father, and then you believe in God the Son, and then you believe in God the Holy Spirit. And so in the Muslim mind, their high view of God, when you say, well, you need to believe in Jesus, in their mind they start saying, you want me to believe in another God, and that's taking away the value of the God I believe in. And so being aware of this high value of God, it gives us an opportunity to actually engage in conversation there. And I'll talk about how we can do that. Maybe you didn't know this. Muslims believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Did you know that? I bet a lot of you didn't know that, or maybe we're not aware of that. Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet and he was born of a virgin. Of a virgin. Muslims in the Quran call Jesus the Word of God. How amazing is that? And and you see, if we know these things, instead of contrasting the differences, why not start at a common point? Why not start on the things that they do believe that we can connect to? Isn't that what Paul did in Acts 17 in Athens? When he went to the Areopagus and he was talking to the Greek philosophers and he spoke to them and he says, I want to talk to you about this unknown God. And as he started having the discourse with them, he's then said and used and quoted their own philosophers and said, in him we live and move and have our being. As your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Those are pagan words. That Paul is using to bridge the conversation to lead these people who have a belief in this God or these gods to connect them to the truth of the real God. What if we did the same thing with those who are of Muslim faith? What if we engage them? What if we talk to a Muslim and we ask them, okay, you know, how does a person find God? How do you know what God is? And a Muslim believes that God is represented by his names. God is just because that is his name. God is merciful because that is his name. And so then you can ask, well, you know, you believe in heaven and hell. Yes, I do. Well, how do you go to heaven? And no Muslim that I have talked to believes that they can know if they're going to heaven or not. You don't know. That's something only Allah knows. And so what, what, what do you do then to try to get to heaven? Well, you do your prayers. You do the things that you're supposed to do. And then you hope you do enough good things that you can get to heaven. There's a lot of similarities between that and some Catholics I know. And, and so you ask, well, so you can't know that you can go to heaven. Well, no, you can't be sure. And then so and then I ask, well, is there any way that you can know if you're going to hell? Well, yeah, there, there are some ways. You see, murderers will not go to heaven. They will go to hell. Okay, so if you murder someone, you will go to hell. Yes. Well, you respect the teachings of Jesus. Yes, Jesus is a prophet of God. Well, Jesus said that if you hate someone in your heart... It's the same as murder. Have you ever hated anybody? You see, what we're doing now is we're not making less the view of God. We're actually making more the view of God. Well, yes, I've hated someone. Well, Jesus says it's the same as murder. So if you've hated someone and it's like murder, according to the prophet Jesus, wouldn't that mean you would be going to hell? Now that's troubling. And now how do we deal with this problem? Because not only do Muslims have a high view of God, but they have a low view of themselves. They they see themselves as being very in need of God's help, of being sinners. And so again, this is a place where you can begin to have a conversation about the need that they have for mercy. And if Jesus equates hating someone to murder, well, then we're in a dangerous place, aren't we? Then we need to find a way for God's mercy even when we're in this condition. And so how do we do that? How do we love God? There's a gentleman named David Garrison. He wrote a book last year called a wind in the house of Islam, how God is drawing Muslims around the world to faith in Jesus Christ. And his idea is, why are Muslims better evangelists than we are? And he doesn't mean evangelizing them to become Muslims, but evangelizing and winning Muslims for Christ. Here's some statistics and things that he found out in Algeria, after 100,000 Muslims died in Muslim on Muslim violence. Okay, there's the fraction within themselves. 10,000 Muslims turned their back on Islam and were baptized as followers of Christ. This movement has tripled since 1990. At the time of 1979 revolution in Iran, about 500 individual Muslims were following Christ that were known and spoken about. Today, there may be several hundred thousand Christ followers, mostly, mostly worshiping in Iranian house churches. There is an incredible movement going on in the Arab nation's where people who were following the teachings of the Muslims in Islam are converting to Christianity because they don't like what they're seeing and they're wanting something else. I recently got an email. I get these emails. And it showed a picture of people in Iran back in 1979, I think it was, and they kind of look like people of the 50s. You know, they're wearing shirts and they're, you know, look pretty Western. And then it showed a picture of modern Iran. And the women had their heads covered. And, and I mean, they didn't have their faces totally covered. It wasn't like wearing the total, I forget what it's called, a burqa or something like that. They were just more traditionally dressed And it was saying, have things gotten better or worse? And the whole intention of this email was to say, oh, man, look at the the Islam is on the rise. But according to statistics, there are more followers of Jesus now by the hundreds of thousands in Iran than there were back in the 70s. Are we really concerned with how they dress? Or are we concerned with what's happening inside of them? And these are the kinds of things where if we start looking at these things, or maybe you've seen that video that shows, you know, the spread of Islam across the world because like Catholics, they don't have the birth control. And so you have a lot of Muslims being born. And so this video shows, you know, in the red, the red starts to spread. And pretty soon it's covering, it's like one of those germ warfare movies, right? You know, or it's like the zombie apocalypse, you know, it's coming and it starts taking over the whole nation because there's more and more Muslims. But do you realize more and more Muslims are actually turning to Jesus than ever before? Where is that in the video? It's not because that is intended to provoke a fear and that fear provokes an anger and that anger starts to provoke picketing signs and yelling, go home, your prophet's dead, my prophet's alive. That that anger starts to provoke things that doesn't engage in conversation with another human being. We're just fighting ideologies. He also goes on and says, In an unnamed Arab nation, an Islamic book publisher Nassar came to Christ through satellite broadcast, an evangelist named Father Zechariah. Sensing a call to evangelize, Nassar started a local ministry that, in less than one year, baptized 2,800 individuals. One year, 2,800 people came to Christ because of this one man and his ministry. In total, it is estimated that 2 to 7 million from the Muslim background worldwide now follow Christ. You see, there is a, a movement going on, but it's not going on with Christians to Muslims. It's going on with Muslims who now became Christians. And maybe what's happening is we're having the wrong conversation and they're having the right one. Maybe we could learn from them how to engage in a conversation because their goal is not to stop Islam. Their goal is to follow Jesus. Imagine that. It's not what we're against. It's what we're for. And so instead of trying to make a stand, we're going to stop Islam, they want to make a stand, I want to follow Jesus and I want to lead my father to Christ and I want to lead my family to Christ and I want to help them understand who Jesus is. And having that mentality, they're actually having deeper conversations. One of the things that's taking place in in a phenomenal way is a lot of Muslims are having dreams. They're having these dreams that, and having visions because the prophet Muhammad had a vision. He had a dream. And so in their minds, dreams are a way that Allah speaks to you. And here's the thing. God is always speaking. And, and so there was this reoccurring dream that a lot of Muslims had about this figure who was shining and filled with love and glowing. And they saw this figure in their dream and they thought, who is this person who is glowing, who just emanates this love? And one of the Muslims who came to Christ had a copy of the scriptures, took them to the gospel, Matthew chapter 17. And he opened it up and he said, here, I I just want you to read this. And as he started reading this, it was about the account of the transfiguration, how Jesus went with his disciples. They stood there, and then suddenly he was transfigured, and he shone like with a great light. And their eyes opened up, and they said, who is this man? I had a dream about him. I want to know who he is. And you see... It was a self-discovery. It wasn't them telling him who he is. It was God revealing who he was and them stepping into the conversation and saying, read this. And now they're saying, well, who is this person? Uh, A few months ago, after I came back from the retreat Terra Nova, we had kind of a follow-up where we had a potluck and we went to uh, Rick's house out in Alhambra. And I was there and David brought this couple in there and David knew who I was and he said, hey, can you talk to these people because they don't know anyone here and I, he kind of entrusted them to Kareen and I to talk with the people there and I found out it was a couple from Iran and I started to ask him about their story and she said, I had a dream that God told me I needed to go to the United States so that I could be healed because she suffered from a number of different ailments and she goes, but it was impossible. There was no way we could get to the United States Because they just not would let, not would allow us a visa for her and her husband. But they were miraculously granted a visa like that. And so they ended up going to Europe and there in Europe, they said, we need to find out a, about, you know, different beliefs. And, you know, God is telling me that if I go to this country that they see as a Christian country, I'm going to be healed. And they started seeing some things. They saw a lot of religion. And one of the things that bothered them was the inequality between men and women. She says, if I were to touch a man, I would be unclean, And now I have to worry about my eternal soul because I have un- been uncleaned by accidentally touching a man. But a man, he doesn't have to worry. He can touch me. There's no problem with his soul. That doesn't seem right. Does, does God really not care about us that much? And her husband was the same way. He goes, that doesn't make sense to me. She's a human being. Why shouldn't she have those kinds of respects as well? And it bothered them. They finally made their way to the United States. And a cousin says, you should talk to my friend. It was David Arcos, the one who's doing the creativity tour with us down in La Paz. And David said, started talking to him about Jesus. And, and she all of a sudden said, this is the person who told me I would be healed. And so David said, well, let's go, go with me. And they went to Mosaic. It was a Sunday. And a Sunday morning, they were there and they experienced the, the ministry there at Mosaic. And afterwards, they went out to eat. And they said, that was beautiful. That was great. When are you guys going to have church? And he goes, we just did. And they said oh my gosh, you mean church is actually just living the way you're supposed to live. And they both made decisions to follow Christ. They both were baptized. And during the baptisms, they usually have a video going on, a podcast, a live stream. But they have had to do this on a number of occasions where they stop the video podcast because the people who are getting baptized are Muslims and who have family who are high up clerics and things in other nations and if they were to find out it could be detrimental to them but they're willing to be baptized and follow Christ and it's a part of what God is doing to reach Muslims and I think it's something that we need to understand you know This is happening. It's a part of their reality. And a lot of them are having these kinds of dreams. For many Muslims, Islam is just a part of their life. It's their family. It's their community. And so, again, they're not here to stop Islam because that's their history. They're stepping into their lives and trying to move it forward towards this newfound faith in Christ because God is always speaking. And so I thought of that passage in Kings where Solomon is dedicating the temple. And he says, As for the foreigner who does not belong to you, your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name, for they will hear of your great name, And your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray towards this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you so that all the people of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your own people, Israel, and may know that this house I have built bears your name. When your people go to war against their enemies, wherever you send them, and when they pray to the Lord toward the city you have chosen and the temple I have built in your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause. What would happen if we would pray this way? God, when that Muslim goes down to pray, and they pray five times a day. They're more devout in their prayer life than most Christians I know. When they pray, and they're going through their prayers, they have a voice speaking to their lives, the true voice, and lead them. When they go to sleep, God, give them a dream that would just haunt them to want to know who is this that is speaking to me. Who is this voice that is calling out to me, that is drawing me to something more? May they hear your voice in this matter. Erwin told a story when he was in Lebanon. He went and one of his... Guys was there, and he said, "Hey, you're going to be speaking to a group of Muslims." And, and he says, oh, "I am. What am I going to be talking about?" And he goes, "Well, I want you to talk about uh the history of Christianity in America." And he goes, "Well, that sounds boring, but okay. You know, I'll start talking about that." And so Irwin starts off in typical Irwin fashion. He goes, "I want to talk to you about a movement that is destroying Christianity in America." And they were all ears. What is that? And he says, "It is the movement of Jesus Christ." And so he went on to just talk about how there is not just this blanket of Christianity and trying to expose what the real Christianity is. And his friend told him before this talk, he goes, whatever you do, don't say Jesus is God because that could be bad. He goes, what do you mean bad? He goes, well, they could kill you. He goes, okay, I'll keep that in mind. He goes, you might say it, but it might be the last thing you ever say. And so as they're there and he's finished and they're done with the talk, they give him applause and they're thankful. And you know, at first he thought it was going to be like five, 10 people there. It was 50 people crowded into a home. And then Erwin thought he was done, but his friend goes, now Irwin's going to answer any questions you might have. He goes, I am. He goes, yeah, so go ahead, answer the questions. And so someone asked, he goes, I want to know what the true gospel is. And Erwin thought, okay, here we go. I know he said not to go here, but I'm going to go here so he talked to his friend. He goes, okay, translate for me. He goes, this is the true gospel. And his friend said, this is the true gospel. Then everyone said, I once met a woman named Kim, which is his wife. And his friend looked at him and goes, that's not the gospel. And he goes, translate, don't commentate, okay? Just say what I'm saying. And the guy said, okay, I once met a woman named Kim. And everyone said, and I loved her, and I pursued her with my love. And he translated it. And she first rejected me. I asked her to be my wife, but she said no. But I loved her, so I pursued her, and I pursued her until I won her with my love. And he said, this is the true gospel, that God loves you so much that he has pursued you and he has pursued you. But in matters of love, you don't send someone else. I couldn't send my brother. I wouldn't send my cousin. And in matters of love, God cannot send a prophet. God came himself. And that's why I believe the true gospel is Jesus is God come for us to show his love. He said, all of a sudden, a man started just yelling. And let's face it, you know, some of these, some cultures, it doesn't matter what you say, it sounds like you're yelling, right? You know, he could be ordering a souffle and it'd be like, what are you yelling at me for, Right? Italian is like that. Why are you guys fighting? We're not fighting. We're just talking about what pasta to get, you know? And so this guy's yelling and, and, you know, it works the other way too, right? French, you know, it sounds like they're nice to you. They could be cussing you out. You don't know. They love me in France, you know? (laughs) Anyway, he he says, what is he saying? What is he saying? Because the guy seems really adamant. And he says, the man says that as you were, I am. And as you are. I will be. See, there are many devout Muslims that desire to know God. But cannot quite get to a place where they know God loves them. But we are able to bridge that gap and say, God does love you. Because in matters of love, you must go yourself and God has come in the likeness of Christ and has brought you an understanding of his love so that you might know him and you might know his love. You know, sometimes they'll look at us and say, you don't pray. You, you you, guys aren't devoted. You you guys are so diverse. I mean, here I am trying to find God and I'm so devoted and Christians come off so off the cuff. You know, yeah, I know God. Me and God are like this. And they're like, what does that mean? It's hard to grab hold of that. You don't pray. I know you were partying this weekend. You're sleeping with your girlfriend. You know, they see... Christians who have tattoos and, you know, the girl who has a tattoo, that's the only sacred thing on her whole body, you know, and you're like, man, what's going on here? I don't get it. How can that be true? And there are Muslims that are so devoted trying to find out the truth of God and there are Christians who are being so flippant with this relationship and we don't realize that they are desiring to know something that has been made available to us that we are able to give them. If we wouldn't be so afraid. How is it that a Muslim searching and desiring God, they might actually be closer to encountering God than a person who grew up as a Christian but took for granted the things of God? You know, it was the Magi who led people to the birth of the disciple, people who worshiped the stars. And King Herod, who was a converted, his family was converted Jews, who had the scriptures, had no idea where the Messiah was born and then wanted to kill him. And you have here Muslims that are desiring to know God, who know what it is to show mercy. And when love is expressed to them, it overwhelms them. And you have Christians who are filled with hate and pushing them away. And why? It's because of fear. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And are we afraid that we are going to lose our faith to another faith? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? you have the truth of God in you. The gates of hell will not be prevailing against us and we act like our gates are being stormed in and we're being overrun. No, what's happening is fear is driving us and now we're known for what we're against and we've lost the movement for what we are for and instead of caring about the souls of people who are desiring to know the truth, we're worried about those who are going to cause harm to us when those who are in harm's way who risk their lives, are starting a revival in their country because the truth of who God is has overwhelmed them. This couple that I talked to could not believe how beautiful it was to be a follower of Jesus now, how God has opened himself up to them and they have experienced God in a way that they never thought possible. You know, when you ask a Muslim, you know, why do you do these things? Why are you devoted in your, your prayer and in your traditions? And they say, well, it's because I need to show my love to God. And you ask them, you have children. Yes, I have children. Do you want your children to love you because they have to? Or do you want your children to love you because they want to? Because I want them to love me because they want to. God has asked the same thing from us. We don't do this because we have to, otherwise we might not get to heaven. We do this because it's our desire. So it's no longer, well, I have to pray these times a day. Now I get to pray any time I desire to come to my Father in heaven. And you see, instead of saying, you're right, or I'm right, you're wrong, you can appeal to the things that are there already in their faith that can lead them to a faith that is true. But if you're afraid of losing your culture, if you're afraid because women are going to go around wearing scarves instead of not, I don't know what to tell you. If you're afraid that your culture is going to be overrun, then... I guess Jesus' words, the gates of hell will not prevail, didn't apply to us. And I guess we will have no voice into the lives of those around us. But you see, the reason we haven't had a voice is because of what our voice has been saying. And if we would connect to the dots that are already close to God, it's a lot easier to take the next step. One last story and then I'm done. I'm sorry, it's a little bit long. There was a young man who was a Muslim. He was coming to one of the gatherings that I was at and he came up he goes, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, let's get together and we had uh, lunch at Islands Off Central when it used to be there. And we sat there and he was telling me, he goes, I, I've been coming and I really like the things I'm hearing uh, about Jesus, but... I can't believe in Jesus. I said, well, why can't you believe in Jesus? He goes, because I'm a Muslim. I told him that belief is about making a choice. And he says, but you don't understand. My father, when my father died, the last thing he did was give me his Quran and he said, follow in my steps. And my dad's dying words were, here's the Quran, follow me. If I follow Jesus... What am I doing to the memory of my father? So you can imagine the emotional turmoil that's going on in him. It's like, I like what I'm hearing, but this is difficult. And so I I took him to a passage where Jesus said, whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy to follow me. I said, you see, what God wants is for you to love him and he'll show you how to love everybody else he says, okay, I I want to do this. I want to become a Christian. What do I need to do? And I said, well, we need to pray. He goes, okay, I'll pray. I said, we need to get on our knees and pray. He said, what? I go, no, it doesn't say in the Bible you need to get on your knees and pray. I just thought I'd add that because I thought, you know, this is a powerful thing in his life. I want to make it a powerful memory. And so out in the parking lot at Island's, he said, okay, and he got on his knees. And I thought, like, oh crap, now I have to, you know. <laughs> and so I got on my knees, and there we prayed that Jesus would be his Lord and his Savior. But if I would have started putting down all the things that are wrong with Islam, I would have lost the moment to connect what God was doing in his heart. The point of this series, The Truth Between Us, is to find what God is doing in the lives of people of different faith. And just like the Magi, we can actually point them way to where the Messiah is so that they can experience the grace and love that God has demonstrated so clearly through his son Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to be aware of the things we don't know, we don't know, the prejudice that might be there in our heart, things that are hindering you working in us to reach those around us. Lord, if we are motivated by anger or hatred or anything that doesn't look like you, may we be aware of it. May we repent. And Father, may we stop thinking of things as us and them. And start seeing people as sheep in need of a shepherd. Start seeing people as you see them. And so I pray for Genesis, our community, Lord. As we go through this series, I pray, Lord, and trust that you will use it to help us better have meaningful conversations with those who are in different faiths. Lord, even as my friend said, well, it's dangerous because people might choose a different faith. Lord, our faith is dangerous. Our faith is storming the gates of hell. Father, our faith will not back down. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven lord you've given us the keys to the kingdom we're not going to trade them in we're going to use them we're going to make a difference in the world around us lord we are not going to be provoked by fear so lord i pray that we would stand together desiring to know how to communicate better and just as everyone's praying here tonight, you know, there are some here, and maybe you're coming from a Muslim background, I don't know, or or maybe you're coming from a religious background that said the same thing, said, well, you, you have to earn God's approval, you have to earn God's love, and you can't know, you just have to do enough good to maybe make it. And, and you're in that same struggle, and you don't recognize that Jesus has already come, that Jesus says you will never be good enough but I love you, my love will pursue you, and I will take the cost for you. I will buy you, and you will be mine. And this morning, if you just want to acknowledge that, and, and that Jesus is here for you this morning. And if you're here and you want to say, I, I need this Jesus who is forgiving, I need this Jesus who is going to take my life and stop this ritual of trying to be good enough. I want this Jesus who has pursued me. I want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Anyone here? God bless you. Father, any here who need that assurance of your love, may they find it in your son Jesus, and may we be continued examples of what it means to be like you, Jesus. And Father, may we not shrink back from the field that is ripe for harvest here in our own country. Lord, the people around us who are desiring to know truth, desiring to know you, desiring to experience your love. May we step into that role. May we learn how to be better in communicating, Lord, the areas that you would open up. We do pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.